Hello and welcome to The Paper Crane, a podcast from Codes in the Clouds and a misspent youth productions. We are Codes in the Clouds and my name is Jack. My name is Kieran. I'm Joe. And I'm Stephen. Thanks to everyone who joined us for our first episode back last week with Go Go Penguin and welcome to any new listeners who are joining us for today's guest, the absolutely brilliant Izzy Sooty. Yes. 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 But before we get onto that, right, so obviously last week it was the first episode back and we were late and there were some things we forgot to mention. We were giddy. So we, were, we were giddy and we forgot things. Just but, a few so things. So one, mixtapes. Our regular feature, the only feature we've got, mm-hmm. I made a mixtape because you're wrong, is coming back this series. This is a, a feature in which we quite simply make a playlist for, some, for someone because their opinion on that genre or artist is incorrect. Do yeah. you have any opinions on music that your friends find disagreeable Yes. Or is there a popular misconception? Yeah, well, I know Kieran does. Is there a popular misconception about some specific music that you would like to rectify? Get yes. in touch with us. Another thing we didn't do: info at codesintheclouds.net and suggest some playlists. Either you make a playlist for us, or we'll make a playlist for you. Please note: anyone with the stupid opinion that the Beatles are bad will be discounted and uh, <laughs> genuine trouble. Absolutely if I find right. out your address, <laughs> genuine trouble. We should add tool to that list as well. I mean, you guys. Obviously, are not included in that. Yes, Jack is a complete tool. As mentioned (laughs) in item one, our email address. We didn't say it last week. I've just said it. I'm going to say it again. In fact, actually, I'm going to ask Steve to say it. Steve, what's our email address? I don't mind saying it. I'll say it. Please. I'll say it proudly. Info at codesintheclouds.net. Yes, thank you. Email us there. And playlists. Regular listeners will know that we have playlists to accompany each episode. It's either compiled by the guest or inspired by our chat or is a little bit of teamwork, a little bit of back and forth. You can find the playlist in the description to the podcast. We've got one this week. We had one last week. Listen to both, please. please I think that's it. No, 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 no. That's not what else it. we got? Don't you remember one of the key things of, of Series 1 that was missing last week? I think oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. The fact robot. If, Kieran, is the, is the robot all dialed up? Is he, <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that robotic, is it? No, it's not. It's, I mean, it's more in the style of like football scores. We just started calling him a robot. No, it's just a very advanced <laughs> robot. It sounds just like Kieran. <laughs> Before we get into this, uh, the robot mm. has uh, a few issues. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, He's got oh, a, a computer virus. Why was I turned off on the thirty-first of December? Being promised, being brought, being brought back to life. He's on the he's uh, back in March. The, the this is amazing. He's, he's, he's gone mad. And it's July. <laughs> so, and then, right, so and then, and then I find out on the dark web that you've recorded episode one. <laughs> <laughs> I love where you're going with this, man. If you fucking time travel, I'm. <laughs> I'm taking the pills. <laughs> Izzy Sooty facts. <laughs> Thank you. He's back Izzy Sooty is a British musical comedian as well as an actress, writer and author. Yes. When Izzy was a teenager, she was member of a progressive rock outfit. Izzy started doing stand-up in 2003 and has performed at the Edinburgh Festival numerous times as well as touring around the world. Love that. Izzy started her work in television as a writer on UK TV show Skins. She's done various voiceovers, appeared in a whole bunch of TV shows, and most importantly and influentially to us as a band, she played Dobby in Peep Show. Right, okay, a couple of things. One, we forgot to ask her about skins, sorry. Two, is the robot in the band now, or is, is it you? 
<laughs> I don't know what you guys want from me. I mean, honestly, because like, in terms of like character development for the robot, it's all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, it's fine. Uh, what's what's next? That's it, mate. That's your facts. That's your lot. Oh, well, those are all the ro- those are the ro- well. Thank you very much, robot. Well facted. Um, we should flag that this episode does have some technical issues on Izzy's side. Uh, so the last five or so minutes of the chat, we had to take Izzy's audio from the Zoom call, but it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Don't worry. It's fine, everyone. We will be back at the end, but for now, enjoy this chat with the brilliant Izzy Sooty, which, funnily enough, starts with Izzy asking how she should record her audio. If I had my time again, I'd ask her to make sure that she recorded the whole thing rather than worrying about mono or stereo. Enjoy. <laughs> mono because uh, they're your favourite Beatles albums. <laughs> I prefer listening to the Beatles in mono, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I've, I've like a... When I was a kid, there, I can't remember what song it was, but there's one song... I think it was Eleanor Rigby, where it starts really full, and then it goes all into one ear, and it used to make me feel a bit dizzy when I was a child. Yeah, it can get a bit much. <laughs> yeah. Far too much. If you're going for a jog, I could go anywhere. I could go flying. <laughs> um <laughs> See, I've got, I've got absolutely no time for stereo mixing anymore. Um, I feel like yeah, Eleanor uh, Rigby would be suitable for a really kind of slow jog. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's week one, Couch to 5K. Exactly, exactly. You're, just, you're building up. Maybe that's the test. If you're, if, if you're a really good runner, you can jog to like really slow, chilled out music and still go really fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we had to uh, reschedule because of um, you doing a, a voiceover gig. Do you enjoy being part of the, the voiceover community? Um, y- yeah, I mean, I I feel like I re- I, I've got this geeky side that really likes fitting things into like time. So, you know, like <laughs> radio ads are normally 30 seconds. Yeah. Sometimes the, the script is like 40 and I'm, I'm now like, and I'll record it and I'll be like, I'll guess that's 37.5 seconds. <laughs> and then the engineer will be like, oh my God, you're right. And I, I get this real satisfaction from it. And I also really like, now I've been doing them for a while. I like suggesting cuts and I like oh. trying to do it a little bit faster and stuff like that. Um, and some of them I enjoy more than others. But um, yeah, I mean, I think if it was the only thing I did, I used, I had this sort of brief fling with a guy who only did voiceovers and he wanted right. to do sketch stuff and lots of serious acting and stuff but he kind of got too good at voiceovers and had a studio in his house and did ones that I don't think he really wanted to do and he owned like three houses and a and a bread maker um (laughs) that's it nothing else in the houses just bread makers yeah but he's he does more writing these days and I think he's probably a bit happy so I think for all of us it's probably one of those things where you you basically want to do a mix of things um Mm. but as as someone who trained as an actor and like got told you'll never make any money out of acting it's a very hard industry and then went on to do comedy and carried on with acting it's like oh my gosh I get paid to go in for an hour and do this thing and and often it's really fun so yes actually I do like being this is what I've realized I do like being part of the voiceover community it's I think it's a fun (laughs) because my my brother's an actor and he does he does voiceovers on the side the the the, the, 
the thing I enjoyed the most was hearing his showreel. Did you ever have to make one when you started? Yes, I did have to make one when I started. So when I signed with my agent, when I moved um, from a sort of comedy agency to, I guess, more of a kind of acting agency with a voiceover department, I I did make a, a, a voice reel, but I hadn't really done... I'd done a very, very small amount of voiceovers, but for things like theatre things and but n- nothing commercial mm. I guess so yeah they gave me all these existing scripts for like links and stuff and I had to record yeah and it was really it. weird because it's got you've got to cover off as many different styles as possible but then the truth is I yeah. I'm normally just friendly Midlands woman um so I don't I'm <laughs> yeah, not great sure. at accents so how did your brother find it doing his he he loved it and because you know it's one of those things because if you get if you land the right gig it's you know you're earning a, a teacher's salary for an hour or something. Yeah. Uh, but like the it was I really the the show reel really made me laugh because at one point he's like you know settling into a nice bubble bath and then the next one is when snakes attack. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. like that beautiful mix. Uh, but yeah, yeah, you know. But the reality is, you know, this phone tariff will cost thirty quid or something. You know, yeah, it's yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, I have to say, I loved loved the book. Uh, oh, thank Jane is trying. It was, yeah. I was, I was, I was shocked. Not shocked. <laughs> that sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked at how good of a writer you were. <laughs> yes. Well, no. Like but, that's no, a it good wasn't quote. That. It was. It was the um, one. I was shocked. That to I was be a quote on the front of her existence. Next book. <laughs> yeah, I was but shocked. Was, just with um, nothing. Just I was shocked. Yeah. Just no, okay, and that's uh, that's the review. If you want, for the, when the paperback comes out, if you want to pop that on the cover, that's fine. Um, no, it was it was just so well written in. I think specifically your voice, like that's what really came through. Like the the peppering of humour throughout it. Um, how much you know did your like comedy background inform the writing of the book for both like the serious bits and for the funny bits? I suppose. I can't really separate it out into it being like an influence from comedy or an influence from, I don't know, reading other books that I love and um, kind of generally sort of having done this for a while. Um, Mm. I did, I was really conscious that I wanted it to be in my voice, but when I got, um, when I kind of had the conversation about writing a novel and then said that I'd submit some sample words, my agent um, said, don't write it how you think a novel should be written write it in your voice because it's my second book and I felt like the first one was was kind of about me and about my 20s and it had more kind of bits of stand-up in it and stuff and actually had sheet music at the Mm. back because I sometimes do songs and so it had like like and cartoons Mm. that I'd drawn and stuff whereas I sort of said well this one I want um is going to be a novel and it's not going to be about me and da 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 um and um he said don't write it how you think a novel should be written just write it in your voice and I was like yes 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 that's mm. fine and then I went away and wrote it how I thought a novel should be written and it was like <laughs> I don't know it, it was nearly me but it was just slightly off it felt kind of inauthentic sure. even writing it I didn't feel you must know what I mean like there are times that you kind of you don't quite know why, but it doesn't feel quite right. And you just need a bit of distance sure. from it, I guess. To So I, ha- yeah, I showed it to him and he was like, this isn't you. I don't think it's great. Um, and this is why I could never be an agent because I think I'd find it Too really honest. hard to have these conversations. I was like, <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah. I could never say that to someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, maybe you shouldn't have had kids either, because I feel like I'm already <laughs> one of those parents are like, you were great. <laughs> I know you only had one line in the school nativity. Um, I uh, no, I'm not like that actually. I am, I am, I am kind of. A, I'm not one of those pushy parents, but I do find it hard to give kind of honest feedback, I suppose, like um, in terms of work and stuff. So it was what I needed, although it was difficult to hear. And I kind of went away and thought, yeah, I don't need to think about like it being a novel and what people expect and stuff. I've just got to do it. Mm. And then that was, that was the right thing to do. So yeah, it kind of just all felt like I worked out her voice because it's in her voice isn't it it's first person I did mm. try and write it third person like Jane went and did this but it never felt right I think that first draft was in third person as well then once I put it into her head right. I sort of yeah yeah because yeah it was it was those little bits like I found myself having quite shocking reactions actually for the first time in my life and I won't I won't give away any spoilers for the book because I want people to go away and read it um but there was so Jonathan's family, meeting Jonathan's family, uh, there's a, let's just say improvisation, and I was physically pushing the book further away from my face because <laughs> I couldn't quite, I, want, I didn't want to be in the room at that point. Uh, so that great. was excruciating. But then there was also like the little asides that I love, like, um, at what age do you stop being an orphan? <laughs> and you're just a person whose parents are dead. I absolutely love that. Um, oh, thanks. But the uh, the the one that really resonated with me the most was like right at the beginning because I do a lot of work within uh, politics and it's the opening chapter when Jane's being chastised for interviewing the poet because her questions aren't good enough and I've been in scenarios where you know someone has a higher social ranking in the room and they have no time for my personality whatsoever and neither does anyone else in the room if I were to try and argue back. Is that inspired by real life? Is that like a real emotion that you could feel? Because I felt it when I was reading it. Um, I've definitely had jobs where I um, I feel like um, I'm out of my depth, like in the past. Mm. So, I mean, like before I went full time with comedy and stuff, I, ha- I worked for like a gourmet food company um, in the right. kind of dot com boom where I ended up writing all the copy for the website and like, with no qualifications at all mm. and um i'd used to go to these meetings and just be like um yes well if we put this on sale at 15 pounds i'm sure that and i just didn't know what i was doing and i i i'm always right. surprised at how much you can blag um when you you know when you have to like i had no money i was kind of yeah. doing gigs and doing fringe shows and stuff like that and kind of really really in the early days like starting out doing five minutes in um in comedy clubs and stuff mm. and doing music gigs as well um sort of doing like something different every night and then going to these meetings and on about three hours sleep and just going yes um i i think this and then everyone had believed me i just couldn't i couldn't yeah. believe it <laughs> Um, so I quite like that I quite like um, I like that side of Jane that she just goes oh fuck it I'm gonna I'm just gonna interview this poet I haven't read any of her Mm. poems but I'm sure poets are all really nice they're really really glad that people are taking an interest in their poetry and then the the poet's quite horrible which is quite arrogant I think isn't she yeah Yeah. Um, Yeah. now I can I can see the thing that you say about politics because I think 
those I'm really interested in those kind of unsaid status rules that sometimes you're really acutely aware of, like a vibe in a room, but you can't actually vocalise it because it would feel really weird to do that. But it does kind of affect work environments a lot, I think. So you were a copywriter in real life, which obviously ties slightly into Jane's work. How much much of the book is uh, autobiographical? So aspects of it. So I've never worked in a bookshop like Jane has too. Um, I had lots of jobs when I was starting out, like a cleaner and working lots of offices, call centres, doing Mm. the copywriting. And I distinctly remember um, the the kind of the frustrations of copywriting and how you have to get it past certain people and stuff. But also doing a lot of voiceovers um, was really useful because um, I've seen how ad agencies work and how they... Um, how they have to liaise with the client and stuff I suppose so making Jane a copywriter for an ad agency felt exactly right Um, I did think about making her a performer initially but I just thought no I I didn't want her to be I I also Mm. didn't want people to think it was me so it was like another way of distancing myself from her I suppose so certain aspects of it are autobiographical but it's not as simple as saying I'm like her in this way and I'm not like her in another way or Mm. um the mum in it has certainly got um, uh, things in common with my mum to the point where, where right. when I, my mum read it, I was like, I don't want you to think that you're like Jane's mum. <laughs> you kind of are a bit like her. She's quite full on, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's really fun. That reminds me of uh, a friend of mine has written, uh, she's an artist and a singer, and she'd written this song about uh, when her mum had a mad breakdown and took her on holiday to Falaraki when uh, my friend was only like 16 years old and she played the song to her mum for the first time she's like oh it's my song and she loves it it's not a compliment mum it's my anthem they're going to be playing it in Falaraki I love that because I think you can really worry can't you about when you put things mm. that have happened to you um, like emotional things or things that other people have done into work because you think oh my god how would I feel if I've if I saw that and will they be Mm. upset? And especially with my first book, which was a lot about dating and stuff, I often had to change guys' names and things like that. And I found that really frustrating because I sometimes wanted to tell like absolutely everything that had happened, but kind of couldn't because I was worried that they'd read it and, and be upset. So one thing that felt really brilliant about writing a novel was that you can put in stuff that's happened to you and stuff that you are and stuff that your friends are. But you'll never. It's not as easily traceable, and um, you can say, "Oh no, that's not you. That's yeah. that's a man, and you're a woman, and your yeah. name's Jane." And uh, yeah, so I kind of think um, I did say to my, one of my best friends, Jane, "It isn't about you, by the way." Um, <laughs> everyone you know called Jane. Give them a phone call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're always always triple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Running running right through the book, and the thing I thought you wrote brilliantly about. Um, and you didn't oversell it. It was it was perfectly uh, toned, if that's a way of phrasing a sentence. I like uh, it. But it was uh, it was the running theme of anxiety, and specifically health anxiety, that I thought was just so perfectly written. Is is that? I mean, you don't obviously you don't have to answer this, but is is that something that's true to you or? Um, your yeah, experience? to an like yeah, to kind of lesser well, to a lesser extent than Jane. So it's definitely like. I suppose like as I get older, I realise that everyone's kind of got a thing. Um, mm. Mine has definitely always been that if like I've got a little health thing, um, 
not always, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll just Google it. And then it's like, oh, oh no, Google says Google. this. Then, oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really bad. And I'm like that with lots of things. Like I find it really hard to, if someone says like, um, I don't know, let's go on holiday to Copenhagen in a year. I'll be like, yes, let's look, look up flights right now. Let's look up all the things <laughs> there are to do in Copenhagen. Like I'm quite bad at um, just going yeah sure let's just see what happens um, right, so right. I'm quite quite useful in terms of getting work done I think a lot of comics are like this actually because you have to be so disciplined right. and it's such an odd job um mm. uh I don't mean that I'm constantly working but even sometimes in my leisure time I'm like right I'll watch telly for an hour and a quarter and then I'll knit for 15 minutes and I find it so as I get older I'm trying harder to kind of go just don't fucking plan everything. It's fine. Yeah, like, sure. So I think that the health anxiety kind of ties into that in that way that you kind of go, oh, well, I better check out every single scenario because I don't think it is this, but I need to be prepared. But actually, you don't really prepare yourself by Googling it. And I, I know that. But so at time, so now um, it's loads better than it was. But if I'm stressed or during lockdown and stuff, it kind of comes back a bit and I'm like, oh, okay, there's too much going on. Maybe I need yeah. to adjust this and adjust that. But it is different from Jane's in a lot of ways as well. So Jane's, um, I feel like Jane's is more intrusive than mine is. Um, mm. But also Jane has this immense fear of hospitals um, that yeah. I don't have. And um, I just really wanted to to push her as far as I could into the jeopardy zone i guess Um, so i kind of researched this fear of hospitals and it's very real and common and um really debilitating i think and i can Mm. see the the logic of it so um that was a nice thing i think it's sometimes quite nice to do research as well Um, yeah one final thing on the well actually no i've got two questions on the book uh but they're they're very general first of all how what is a book what (laughs) can how do you read um what was it like writing the uh acknowledgement section because that's the thing i think i would get the most anxiety about yeah i did have so um my friend zan van tulliken who is actually zand van tulliken but i can't pronounce his name zand because of my accent (laughs) and i often have this thing i don't know you like what you guys think about this, but like if someone calls themselves like another one is Nadia and Nadia, I'd say Nadia because of my accent. But my friend Nadia, I can say Nadia. For some reason, I can't bring myself to say Zand. Um, oh. Anyway, Zand <laughs> Van Tulliken, um, who's a great, um, a lovely guy and does telly mm. and is a, is a doctor. He helped me um, a lot with like the medical aspects of it. And so did Mike Wozniak, who used to be a GP. And because um, right. Zand had helped me really early on, I had my phone notes of the acknowledgements. I basically had my phone notes open adding people constantly and I even added someone who I went to school with who told me about how a building society account works in a scene that I didn't end up using and I think she (laughs) stayed in the acknowledgements I was like well she did help me even though it got cut Um, and then I had this absolute um just as it was about to go, like the final draft was about to go in, I was like, oh, I didn't thank Zand because it had been like oh, quite right. early on in, in the process. Right. So um, it wasn't because his help was not, um, you know, used and really valued. Mm. So um, I think there's often one person who you forget. And it, there were a few sure. people where I added them at the last minute. But yeah, that- it is. It's definitely like that's the thing you wake up. And when yeah. I, I often turn to acknowledgements 
because I get sent quite a lot of books now. I'm looking at a big pile of books. I have this big to read pile and I get sent a lot of proofs by other um, comics and and Mm. people like that. I turn to the acknowledgements immediately and (laughs) see who they thank and see who I know in the acknowledgements and see if they thank me, even though I might have never met them. Like she's an inspiration, just for, just for inspiration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think in a, in a, for being a muse in our new album, just to cut out that anxiety. I think we haven't thanked anyone. I think we've just done a general thanks to everyone no, yeah. that supported us. We've, we've literally That's just the got way to the drummer do it. dedicated to his kid, and we'll just yeah, every al- every album we just spend so long with the thank you list, and it's just such non it's yeah it's it's stressful because because we're thanking people from you know we're thanking the guy that dropped us five years ago i like, don't want to thank yeah. him necessarily yeah. i know it's like how far back do you go thank you to yeah. the midwife who delivered me you know <laughs> yeah, exactly. but well much like recording uh an album like how was it recording the audiobook i know like obviously the process of just talking for ages in a microphone is something you know how to do but did that feel like almost like a goodbye because obviously writing a book can be all like all encompassing and like must have been years of your life so that was was that like the final well what a lot of people say and I think this is true for me too is that you're trying to do two things things when you read it so you're thinking about um performing it in the most um listenable and unintrusive way because mm. I think audiobooks shouldn't be should be slightly lighter in terms of how you read them than um I don't know say a poem or a voiceover actually I'm not I didn't want it to be like hey get down to the supermarket and but you know <laughs> um so it's like not that that's how I do how I do voiceovers either um um so you need to work on your American accent just a little bit yeah yeah oh yeah so this is a major thing about audiobooks and this is more common with my first book so my first book was about me and it had real people in it so I got to do mm. all their voices so I made <laughs> right. my friend Amy's voice like oh Izzy why are you doing that which isn't really how she talks at all but then I had to do it for the whole book and then she was like why have you given me that weird accent I was like because I can't really do accents I can only do four accents Um, with this book um I I didn't have as many characters or accents in it but I Monica is from Cornwall um or Devon see this is how long ago this is weird you write something and then you move on but she's from like the west um and I was like shit why did I why did I give her that? Because I can't really do that accent. So I d- did a sort of nod towards um, that area and that was fine. Um, so you're thinking about all that side of it. But then you're also thinking, oh, I wish I'd cut that word. Or, oh, if I'd moved those two right, sentences yeah. around, that would have been. And it's really hard to let a book go. Um, and a, a lot of people I've spoken to have said that as well, that you, as you're doing the audio book. And luckily enough when I was doing the audiobook, there was a last chance to make changes. And I did spot like a couple of errors um, that we rectified just in time. So, wow. Yeah. It, so it's like you've got two heads on at the same time, really. It doesn't sure, feel yeah. like a, a kind of goodbye. It would be lovely if you were like, this is the last time I'll ever read it. And I'll just, but it, you've still kind yeah. of got your editing head on, I think. No, of course, yeah. I did enjoy it though, and it was in it was in lockdown, so there was only like me and about five other people in the whole 
office and it was a very big office lots of floors and they got these little pods that you record the audio books in at the back of the office and it was really cool it was just me and these the handful of people and um went and got lunch in in the day and it was like completely deserted so it was it was oh, quite cool dream. in a way <laughs> yeah exactly the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um well yeah well once again much like recording an album you, do you still make music well i was thinking about this the other day like i I'm sure I will, but what's really odd for me is that I'm, I played the guitar since about the age of um, 11 or 12 and written songs mm. more or less since then, as soon as I'd learned a couple of chords. And it was always such a big part of my life. And my mum's a, a pianist and an organist. Um, and I sort of grew up with people playing music all around me. And I never mm. doubted that it would be part of my career. And then it was for so many years. And... I would have regarded myself as a musical comic and any Edinburgh show I did had lots of songs in it and all my radio stuff has got lots of songs. And Mm. I always Mm. felt, you know, if I was having a hard time, I used to pick up the guitar and it was some composing songs came naturally to me. And I felt, to be honest, like most at peace when I was writing music. Mm. Um, But in the last sort of, well, certainly since I've had two kids, so I had my first kid. I'm not blaming them, but I had my first kid in 2014. Um, and since then, I haven't written a decent song. Um, so I've written a few, but I'm not really that happy with them. I haven't really done... Um, I've done a, um, a few of the new songs on stage, but not really kept them in my set. And then um, I had another baby in um, 2019 and... I just think I haven't got the space um, at the moment in my head to write music, but I get mm. such joy from writing stand-up, straight stand-up now and books and scripts and things like that and doing bits of acting. I don't miss writing music, but it's so mm. odd. I don't pick up the guitar. I don't have the urge to play it. Wow. No, I don't noodle about on it. I used to just play it for hours. I'd play covers to myself. I'd, I never pick it up to the point where it was in the attic for years. Uh, Yeah, it's really, really weird. Don't let yourself become that person that has the rusty strings and one string missing in the corner (laughs) of the room. No, I won't. Although I tell you what, I change my strings so rarely. um, It's sometimes, even when I'm touring (laughs) with the guitar, sometimes I'll be like, shit, I haven't changed my strings for like three years and I'm playing the guitar every night. Um, Yeah, no, it's You can always just say, no, I prefer the tone of the... uh, the (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) These Woolworth strings. That hasn't been for 10 years. Um, Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> it is really weird though. It, and I, I feel the only reason I feel chilled about it is um, I feel sure that I will go back to it and I will suddenly mm. write loads of songs. And I think it's likely that my next solo show will be a musical one. But the one I'm going to tour in autumn it has no songs in it at the moment. And I can see a place right. where I might write a song. Um, but I want to wait until I've previewed it a bit more. And I, I, I my bet is probably that it won't have any songs in it so that'll be the first show that I've ever done without music but it just feels so right, right. it just feels really exciting to write this stuff in a does different your fan way base and, not um, does your fan base not expect you to yeah I don't know it's weird isn't and... it like I, I think I think they might but I can't do it if it feels <laughs> inauthentic. You can't, yeah, you, if it's, yeah yeah you can't be false about it yeah like yeah, I, I, even it. this no like even this bit where I think there could be a song I just don't want to write it 
it's like is, it, yeah. is that, do you feel there, there could be a song there because that's just the structure that you're used to writing yes like, I there think needs so. to be a I musical think... break <laughs> yeah I do think that and I, I also think that I'm sort of half thinking the same as you in that are people going to turn up expecting songs but then it's like mm. you can't I don't think you can do it because of that um, you know I've always no, done no, yeah. lots of different things um, but it's a thought that crosses my mind a lot um, if people are people going to expect that but then yeah I can't I think you're right. I think the bit that I'm thinking, does it need a song, is because I'm like, well, if I put one song in, it's like, I can't do it if it feels, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I was thinking of getting a pedal, though. There's a bit where I talk about Ouija boards. Um, There's a lot of it about Ouija boards. I talk quite a lot about um, (laughs) that kind of thing. So I used to be really into them. I talk about the ends of people's fingers, how I got... I got I got to know the ends of my friend's fingers so well because we always had our fingers on coins waiting for them to move around the Ouija board and like watching their fingers to make sure they're not pushing the, the coin. And there's a bit there where I could feel that I could do an a cappella song about the ends of people's fingers. So I'm sort of thinking about lots of different ways of... Uh, my brain is open to music. There we go. <laughs> well, can we, um, can we talk about uh, Infinite Drift a little bit? Yes. And if you You're want, up. I'll send you an Infinite Drift track. Yes, that you please. Put, if you want, um, no I'd, pressure yeah, at all. Yeah, I'd love but, that. Okay, it's I mean, called uh, Because I mean, we're in it. We're, so our band is an instrumental band. We have. Yeah, some, I know. We, we, I love we, your yeah, stuff. Yeah. I've listened to it. Yeah, it's great. Oh, thanks, is it? Yeah. Yeah, that can go yeah. on. Our, that can go on our album cover. Yeah. Better than <laughs> I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> well, because at the moment our best, our best, uh, our best quote is "Ones to Watch 2009" from Rock Sound. So uh, you know, it's, at least it's more good, up to date. This one, <laughs> yeah, yeah. get one every ten years. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, we're used to long songs. So, uh, so was that a full-on yeah. prog outfit? Or was it that... was. So yeah, exactly. You won't think that those songs are long. I think for other people who are used to like two and a half or three minutes, it was like, mm. whoa. But yeah, like um, it was. Some of them were seven or eight minutes long. We were covering Pink Floyd songs. Um, yes. So it was me and two guys called James Taylor, oddly. It wasn't the James Taylor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he didn't go to school um, in, in Matlock um, in the 90s. Um, and Dave Lowe, who um, uh, was another great musician. Like, they're both still do, doing music. Um, and I'd been in a lot of bands, but... They were such, they were so good on the fear, on the theory side of things. I think before that, a lot of the bands I've been in, I've been in um, some with brass and um, just guitar and drums and stuff and other vocalists. And um, I mean, calling yourself a vocalist when you're 14, I think, is other vocalists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, But Dave and James were like, almost classically trained and and um they right. kind of um it was a diff- really different experience and there were lo- lots of organs in it and stuff and um lots of slide guitar um and we did my songs as well um and they because they were arranged in a completely different way again talking about the songs being arranged at this age sounds funny but um they were you know <laughs> they were. They you were, arranged yeah. them that's fine yeah, they were. yeah. Um, it, it it kind of like it made me see my songs in a different light and stuff so it was um it was great it was mm. it was cool we didn't do that many gigs but 
but we had a lot of jams and we did a lot of recording actually we did more recording than we did gigs so yeah that's <laughs> nice though because a lot yeah. a lot of bands that start out especially at that age don't bother recording and their memories are just lost so you've yeah. got, it's great that you've got them yeah i've got that's no true, i don't think I've got really... any recordings of my first bands at all haven't you how old were you uh i think my first band was when i was 13 14 yeah a little bit about yeah. that age yeah it's sad but isn't it must it? Say... yeah Inf- Infinite Drift is a good band name, actually, for for a teenage as teenage band names go. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I was in I a band think... when I was about twelve or thirteen called My First Fellatio. Love it. Not... <laughs> MFF. Had... <laughs> MFF to the parents. <laughs> but that's like the equivalent of just you just you feel like you've learned a long word as a young kid. Yeah, you're with sixteen year olds learn the word procrastinate and use it all the time. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. Just try and drop it into conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. Or when footballers full name the team. It's West Ham United Football Club. To sound yeah. intelligent, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can't wait yeah. to hear Infinite Drift. This is uh this is great. So what what was uh what was the proposed album gonna be called? I can't remember, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was just one of named after one of the tracks. So the track I'll send you is called The Clock. And I actually wrote that for Infinite Drift. I don't think I ever did that on my own with guitar. Um, and it's very, I sing very high in it. Um, it's almost like a choral vocal line. With, um, so I won't be surprised if we'd called it something like the clock or, um, or, or similar. Uh, yeah, I don't, I just remember all our efforts going into the band name and also the gigs. Because what we used to do is we used to project pictures of like power stations and, and things mm. like that on on onto the background. We've all done that in, in the gig. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just play Kieran, an, an old black and white movie. Then. Just let that run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I used to be the guy that used to love getting the projector and find all the old video clips. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was my thing. All about and the inevitability it yeah. that it's like it's not powerful enough to actually work in the room, so it just it's just sort of there pointlessly. And the band yeah. constantly didn't have to... the big impact that we were hoping for. Yeah, we always had to play in pitch black because the projector wasn't bright enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's a shame you're not making music at the moment. Um, yeah, but don't worry, I will be back. I definitely <laughs> will. Is that, yeah. <laughs> making serious music. How does that sit next to being known as? a funny person is there is there like a taboo for a funny person to be making serious songs well I don't feel like now I do serious songs I suppose when I started writing songs there were what I supposed were serious songs in them Mm. in in what I was writing and then when I was at college I started to do more comedy songs almost kind of by accident like I had what I thought was a reasonably serious song and then I kind of did it in a silly accent and it made people laugh and I was like oh this feels good um so then that was how I started writing comedy songs I suppose um Mm. and I did used to write want to write pop songs for other people and stuff and um I don't I don't think I'd be great at that now but in my shows I often have serious bits within what I really like doing is using music um, to tell a story, I suppose, and to reveal more about a character. And sometimes that will be funny and sometimes it will be emotional or um, serious, I I suppose. So I'm at a point, I guess, where when I write something, I'm it's normally within the context of a show and within the context of storytelling. So I'm thinking about how it drives things forward and what it reveals about the character. Mm. 
less than kind of how it comes out, if that makes sense. I guess I trust that mm. it will be funny. Um, but I'm all for kind of wrong footing audiences and stuff. And I like going to see this amazing American actor called Taylor Mack, who doesn't gig over mm. here much. But um, Katie Wicks told me to go and see him at the Soho Theatre years and years ago, like maybe 15 years ago. And I still remember his songs, um, like, just incredible. Um, wow. Like, there was one that went like, if you see something, say something. And it was kind of about, um, like, bo- like perhaps seeing a bomb on something or kind of being aware mm. of what other people... Um, doing on public transport and it was so like so emotional and so like it was so funny because it was kind of he got himself into this frenzy but it was just like so pure and brilliant Mm. and kind of and that was so exhilarating to watch and if you had to describe it you wouldn't know whether to say it was funny or whether to say it was like um moving or because it was all of those things and so that's what I really really love and I'm not saying that I do that because I'm not really that kind of performer um because it was very big and flamboyant and stuff but I do I do feel like you know it's kind of yeah it it it, music can do so much and it can be used in so many different ways and I sometimes think that people Mm. kind of limit themselves without realizing it um Mm. Yeah. yeah. Limit themselves to like their type, I guess. Yeah, and go, they... oh, I couldn't possibly have this because, mm. uh, you know, yeah. It, and it's like, well, you can, you can kind of do whatever you want and the audience will go with it. Sure. Um, I've just Googled Taylor Mac. Taylor Mac uses Judy as a, gen- as a gender pronoun in the lowercase. So I apologise okay. that I've been calling Judy he. Um that's a great pronoun as that well. That is a great pronoun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan Yeah, of but I really recommend seeing Taylor Mac. Um, yeah, just incredible. So when, when, you, when you started stand-up, was that sort of, uh, was, that, was that just after drama school? Or was that just a way of just getting on stage, basically? Or, or did you have like a, were you a comedy geek? Okay, so I, um, okay. Um, I want to okay. right, listen up young <laughs> okay guys I want to make it clear I um, I I didn't so some people I feel like when I started out there were some people who were doing stand-up because they were actors who weren't getting enough work mm. um, and I wasn't that guys um, I I um, I did the comedy songs at drama school um and I'd always wanted to do acting and songwriting. I'd never thought that stand-up could be a career. So I'd always envisaged this mm. career where I would combine um, acting with, yeah, basically um, either writing songs for other people or kind of doing them myself. Mm. And then when I did the comedy songs at college, it was such a buzz. And so I knew I would carry that on in some way. And then when mm. I graduated, I... I lived really near a comedy club and we used to go all the time and watching it made me realise that I would like to try and carry on kind of doing the songs and doing comedy on the circuit. So it was kind of always alongside other acting stuff. But then once I started doing stand-up in Edinburgh, um, it led to more auditions. So right. that was actually a bit of a surprise that I hadn't seen 
coming because I had genuinely fallen in love with it at that point um, right. and that it was nice because I was like oh okay so I get to audition for sitcoms as well that's that's good but it wasn't sure. necessarily I didn't necessarily know that it would lead to that yeah what do you what do you think it is about comedians that make good actors because there's, there's there's been so many and I don't, I don't even mean just like in in sitcoms and dramas now even like you know a couple of my friends are comedians and they're on almost every ad break that I see now rather than actors getting those roles so what, yeah. what do you what do you think that is that is it because like comedy is sort of like grounded in reality I guess I don't know it's weird isn't it like I've always heard that sometimes it can be difficult to work with comics on an acting job for a director or a writer mm. because we're so used to kind of changing things so I think mm. comics can sometimes find it hard just to say the lines as they're written um yeah, why is it? I sometimes think that with voiceovers. It's like I'm really mm. good mates with Tim Key and we're all, mm. I was sort of saying the other day, so many comics do voiceovers and so many actors do as well. But it's interesting how comics with no acting experience often do things like, as you say, voiceovers and ads. I think with adverts, there's often an affability that, that comes from being a comic sure. where you're, I suppose you've, if you've done it for a while, you've kind of... Um, you've got a persona that that people um, that people like, um, and maybe that comes across in an ad. But mm. yeah, I, I also good at improvisation. I think is the other thing that that sure. um, often is the case. So I think that can be a bit of a bonus for for people who are making that stuff. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So, at what point did uh, did peep show happen in the career were you already were you quite established at edinburgh at that point i'd done my first edinburgh show so i got the mm-hmm. part at the end of 2007 um i'd done oh i well, i've done my first solo edinburgh show i'd done it a few times uh, like with sketch shows and like mixed bills and sure. stuff um so i did my first edinburgh show in t- 2007 and then yeah got my first solo show then got um the part that autumn and then I had done a tiny bit of telly before that, but nothing that I would ever have got recognised for. So it was quite a baptism right. of fire in terms of my profile changing. Um, mm. And uh, it was, yeah, it was... Did you? Have I mean, it was such the... a good show to go into because it was already, mm. you know, it was so brilliantly written and well-established and a loved show. So it was an interesting... Um, introduction to being on telly i suppose yeah because you're walking into this you know very established and and well-loved show but with this amazing ensemble cast but not even just an ensemble you're also walking into a well-established double act that already exists yeah how was how was it bedding in with that um well don't forget that i didn't ever know that Dobby was going to continue series to series. So, I mean, right. who who did know that their character was going to carry on apart from Rob and Dave? I mean, sure. even Matt King, I don't know, probably had no guarantee that Superhands would... You don't tend to get told... Right. You know, you don't even know often when you're doing sitcoms, oh, it will go for another series after this one. You just do it series by series. So I didn't know when I started it that I would be in it for so long. Um, and there'd been a lot of of girlfriends in there for, for Rob and Dave over the series. Sure. So in that sense, I didn't have the pressure of knowing, oh, I'll be a regular in this and, um, you know, I'm in it for the long haul. I just went along mm. and did my best. Um, and I knew them a bit through sort of Radio 4 stuff. I'd met both right. of them. Um, 
I didn't know Matt um, and I I don't think I knew about any, anyone else in it at that point. Um, and I think I was just quite quiet and just tried to do all the lines and sure. didn't chat that much in in that first series. And then when I was back, then I sort of slowly got to know them better. And it sort of felt like I knew David a bit more for a while because a lot of my scenes were with him. Sure. Um, and then got to know Rob sort of more as time went on. Um, but it was a big group of us really, rather than just those two. Like, because Jim Howick and um, Matt Bainton and Matt King and... And Olivia Coleman to a lesser extent because I didn't have very I didn't hardly had any scenes with her and then she left mm. you know we crossed over yeah. for a couple of series but she was always absolutely lovely so it felt like going into a big group rather than sort of just working with Rob and Dave and also sure. Sam and Jesse who write it um, are so so lovely and warm and mm. uh, very very interested in other people and always just brilliant conversationalists and the director mm. as well is lovely and so it was a really um really great group of people we can attest to sam bain being really nice he was uh very nice about us once on uh we had that we had a real thrill of we were listening to six music and he'd rec he'd requested one of our songs oh, uh that's and then we'd uh yeah we got in a bit of a dialogue afterwards because you, like some of the other bands we've spoken to, um, you know, or Peep Show in general, has the coveted uh, position of being part of our tour bus playlist. If it's not music, we're normally watching Peep Show or watching, I don't know, The Trip or something like that. Um, so congratulations. Welcome Thank to the so club. <laughs> how um How soon into working on Peep Show did you get to bring your comedy into it or did you just religiously stick to... The writers. Um, well, in terms of the lines, they were always done just exactly as written. Um, right. And in terms of me bringing in my stuff, I suppose they they sometimes said like, "Is there anything?" That, they had like quite a lot of conversations with us about character development and stuff and things that you thought should happen with other characters or in terms of you know Dobby's job or whatever. Um, and that was good. And I remember saying that I just wanted Dobby to go into a derelict house. And they were like, is that because you want to go in a derelict house? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, yeah. how was it uh, acting to uh, to the lens of the camera? Because I've, I've done interviews to camera before and it's horrible. I go to pieces just staring at that black eye. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like the thing I remember being really weird was at the audition because that was the first time I'd had to look down a lens. Um and right. yeah, it would have been the first time I'd ever had to look down a lens, I reckon. And also it's re you really have to be off book. I try and be off book for every audition anyway, but really with that it's so, it it looks so massive if you look down from looking at the lens. <laughs> really had to know all the lines especially for the recall um but used yeah. to it quite quickly i think because you do the um the rehearsal with the other person if there are two of you in the scene and obviously with the other people if there are more than two and then someone is replaced by a camera immediately and uh mm. if it's david he would stand nearby doing his internal monologue for the timing because obviously they need shots for the people and things and talking sometimes so if you're talking obviously you wouldn't do the monologue then but it was quite technical in some ways you know mm. they had to make sure they had enough 
footage of other reactions to cover off um, the time that to, that they'd need to to do the the internal monologues. Um, but yeah, did, mm. I think when guests came in, that was when I remember the couple who played Mark's parents at that Christmas dinner, um, who were so lovely. Uh, they were sort of saying, "Gosh, you know." isn't it weird to to look down the lens? And then they got used to it really quickly. And it is that funny thing where you just go, oh yeah, that's just how this show's made. But then it's weird when you go and do other yeah, stuff. Right. To no, don't do it down the lens. <laughs> yeah, stop looking at the lens. Yeah. <laughs> do you, are you still making music with uh, Gavin Osborne? Well, I listened to Gav's new album like two nights ago. I don't know if you've heard it. Mm. Oh, good. Like I think, it like made mm. me cry. Like I was crying immediately. At, there's a song called Blue Plaque wow. about his dad. And it's like, oh my God, it's great. Such a good album. Um, Scrolling Home, I think it's called. Uh-huh. And uh, I hadn't seen Gab for a while until recently. I met up with him and our kids um, and his wife, who I was going to say his lovely wife, but that sounds like. <laughs> Sounds like you've got something to hide there. Like a male comic from the 70s. His lovely wife is the reason I know him because she's one of my best friends. So, right. yeah. Oh, well, okay. oh, right. So that, were, that wasn't you practicing your crowd work for the upcoming tour. <laughs> Give me a cheer if you're a lovely wife. <laughs> I, with her lovely husband there we go right um, that's best yeah, yeah. but yes yeah, so are you look are you looking forward to going out on the road this year yeah um i am um and i haven't toured for a long time and i've asked for slightly mm. nicer hotels than last time because i'm over 40 that should be gab's new song um <laughs> And uh, <laughs> the last time i toured we stayed in like one of the ho- one of the but we stayed in like this pub where I had a, we like shared the toilet with all these lorry drivers and stuff. And I had to wee in the sink in my room and um, it was fine. Oh, but, wow, uh, mate. Yeah, Chris, who was my support act then and is coming back again with me. He's like one of my best mates, Chris Neal. He's such a great comic. I was like, Chris, I'm not sharing the toilets with lorry drivers again. Like we're going we're gonna like, to, even if I make no money, I don't care. I'm going to have it in my room. <laughs> I can wee into. <laughs> yeah. But it's not just about hotels. Um, I am also looking forward to doing the shows and meeting my fans and their lovely wives. <laughs> <laughs> Massive thank you to our lovely guest, Izzy Sooty. Now, but before we move on and have a little discussion, I just want to clarify. I wasn't shocked that her <laughs> book was good. What I, what I think I failed to get across was that I was shocked at how well she had managed to get her unique voice on the page. That's a skill that I love in writers. Like for the last, the last few years, the books that I've really loved have had writers with really unique voices like Sally Rooney or Janice Hallett, who's who we interviewed last year. You should listen to that interview. Please do. Uh, Candice Carty-Williams. They have such a great and unique style to their books. And Izzy's book had this brilliant conversational tone. 
It was funny and it was hard hitting when it needed to be. I can't recommend Jane is Trying enough. Please go and read Jane is Trying. It's great. The tone of that apology, Joe, was like you should have been standing outside the courthouse silent as your lawyer read. I was doing the Tony Blair gesture where I wasn't pointing, but I was using my thumb. I was sort of jabbing my thumb at the. Because I I know you, I could see, I could sense what you were going to say, but you didn't finish the sentence before the conversation moved on. No, exactly. But I I think I'll, I think I'll admit that I was, I was a bit. I think we both work here, and we were both a bit sort of starstruck. uh, Yeah, starstruck. I don't think starstruck's the word because it is. Because it, w- it it was like it was it was a great conversation. She was brilliant from the very start, but it is you know the amount of times we've been in tour buses or like late nights and we've just had Peep Show on. It is like the TV coming alive and answering your <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the fact she was on a screen didn't help that. Yeah, it was like she- you two were on Peep Show for me a little bit <gasps> somewhere in the back of my mind. Did you did you get jealous? I was very, very. You were very supposed jealous. to be there. You were supposed. To I be was there, supposed of to be there. I well, I say read the book. I listened to the audiobook of it. Oh, I have okay. to say, but oh, I, a classic I just yeah. Well, but I adored that book. It was so good. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. And okay, so when I knew I wasn't going to be able to make it because I was so mm. ill, yeah, I I sent you some questions which which made it in there. They made, Did they? I yeah. just assumed that I had ignored them for. Yeah, I thought we'd forgotten as well. <laughs> no, the questions went in there. That's the exact kind of thing that I would do. <laughs> my, my question to you, though, is: Did you do my other thing of saying, "Oh, by the way, Steve from the band also really enjoyed your book"? Did you? No, say we. That to work? No, we said. Um, we said Jack from the band is very handsome. Oh, didn't mention you at all. We that's didn't want to confuse her by more members and having to remember more names. Yeah, she doesn't need to. Oh, Steve, she'd be, she'd just been wound up, I think. What do you think the percentage terms are, uh, chances are, of her listening mm. to this podcast this far? That's, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> we'll see if she rates uh, it. See what her uh, review's going to say. I like your book. Well, the, well, she said to us, and and like. And I don't remember if this made it into the edit, but she said she doesn't like watching her stuff back, so I doubt she listens to yeah. an interview with a couple of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was a little telltale sign as to why it, why it is so good mm. was in the way she talks about the characters. Like, she talks about them like they're real people that she knows. Yes. Like, she always says, like, um, oh, you know, that character's quite X, Y, Z, isn't she? Yes, you know, exactly. That's the exact sort of thing I was trying to convey that I was surprised about. Because <laughs> you were the because one struck was... down with the illness. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it was it was that sort of thing because I think, I think genuinely, and I, and I wouldn't want to say I, I wouldn't have said this to her because it can sound like an insult, but it's not. But it's just in my head, I didn't realise she had as unique a voice as that. But I think had I read it and I didn't know who it was by, and you gave me a list of five potential authors I would have definitely guessed Izzy Sooty because it was just those little funny asides throughout when she's talking about people or as I mentioned in the interview when it's just a, just a moment when she's sort of contemplating at what age you get you're considered an orphan and yeah. or your parents are just dead I absolutely I loved that it was honestly I mean while you two uh, sit there fawning over um, her writing work <laughs> The thing that yeah. I was uh, most excited to hear about was uh, the band she was in 
when she was a teenager. Yes, of course. <laughs> oh, and we... She sent us a song. Oh, yeah. I can't oh, believe please. she... Uh... And she didn't hesitate either. I would definitely hesitate she... for a long time. I would have hesitated. <laughs> but it's... it's, it's re- should, we, should we listen to a bit of it? Well, yeah, I mean, you can see why she didn't hesitate by send, wanting to send it yeah. to us. wasn't lying about the falsetto voice at all. <laughs> what um, did she say when they recorded this? Uh, 1995 this was recorded. In terms of... If you think that this is a teenager in the 90s... Yeah. In, also, in terms of the quality of the recording... Yeah, this isn't just a, a demo in the 90s. <laughs> No, exactly. I really like it. Let's let's fade it out because I'm not I am not I'm not sure about uh, you know rights issues and stuff. But for those that like Izzy Sooty that haven't heard her music, that wasn't what I was expecting from her music. But I was also I was very impressed by it. Yeah, same man. But yeah, it had it had that classic nineties um, quality to, to it. It did, didn't, didn't it? it? But the but I was I was shocked by the voice. I was glad to get the pre warning. It was a bit like the, the snowman tune, the voice. It was like that kind of angelic, like, choral. Very, <laughs> it is a bit snowman, Morning isn't it? But, I'll tell you what I've it does got... do. Go on. It completely shits on anything I could have done as a teenager. Oh, <laughs> back my. To my bands as a teenager. Oh, my God. Uh, Steve. I, Jesus I have wept. no doubt. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no doubt because we met as teenagers, but... I'd already had a, a vast musical history before I met you. I mean, you did tell Izzy about your uh, your first teenage band, didn't you? Yeah, first teenage. Did that make the? Cu- I can't remember if that made the cut because I think. But my f- my first teenage band was um, a band called uh, My First Fellatio. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, sorry, that wasn't my first teenage band. That was just one of the teenage bands. But it, um, friend of the show and brilliant comedian Tom Toll was also in that band and he used to have a joke in his uh, in his act many years ago about it and it was uh, I used to be in a band called My First Fellatio we sucked that's I mean that's <laughs> lovely stuff on the circuit that is that's killing that's killing on the circuit nice. that's stuff we had a song called I Lost My Worm it's all good stuff it's honestly it's all good stuff I wish, we could, hear, I wish we could hear this stuff there's no there's no recordings anywhere oh. I don't think um but uh, yeah, but well, speaking of band names, as I as I said to is it the Infinite Drift is a great band name. That is good. It's, That's that better good. than Codes in the Clouds. It's pretty cool. I can't believe there's. I not mean, I think band I think when we came up with Codes in the Clouds, a great band name. The rise of cloud computing over the course of our <laughs> musical career is absolutely rude. <laughs> but man, I have had some. Absolute whopper band names. What band names have you guys had? Uh, well, I'm, I've only ever been in bands with Kieran. That's um, something that's going on my grave. Oh, name. okay. So they've all been horrible. So we had <laughs> <laughs> the first band I was in with Kieran was Defect, right? But not just Defect. It was D right. colon Fect. Shut your door. Okay. No, it wasn't. Because I knew, I knew about Defect. I thought it was. And I knew about the colon. Yeah. <laughs> 
I thought it was D E colon effect. No, yeah, it was. Yeah, D E colon. Yeah, it wasn't just oh, the yeah, letter I, D. I, no, 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 it wasn't. Yeah. The way. Jack oh right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's still horrible. Yeah, I don't know. I think not... it's. Yeah, I sound like I'm sticking up for it. Yeah, no, uh, guys, if you're going to talk about it, at least spell it. Okay? <laughs> I tell you what, because I've had so many whoppers in terms of band names. I'm going to play Two Truths and a Lie, and I don't think all of you are going to get this. What is this with oh, band right. names? I'm up for this. Yeah, I'm going to give you three band names. Two of them are genuine band names from my youth. This is in addition to my first relationship. <laughs> in addition to my first <laughs> I would have said that was the lie if right. I didn't already know that was a truth okay. I know exactly that's the beauty of this right so I'm going to give you three okay one testicular fortitude oh my god <laughs> two whiplash three tribal humour tribal humour no, none <laughs> of those tribal... can be real I don't think you'd ever call I'm gonna yourself. Tell you, I'm going to tell you now, 66.6% of those are correct. I was in bands with those names. I'm, co- I'm so, confident, right? Sorry, I've, I've even got... Two of them are right. Two of them are absolutely oh correct. That's how, that's how this works. <laughs> I'm putting my money on... I don't think you'd ever be in a band with humour in the name. I'm pretty convinced of that. Okay. I think that's tribal so humour... It is so brand. There's no Tri- way you do Tribal humour. It what, really that, is quite It sounds brand, like a comedy drum and bass really... act. <laughs> well, by, by the way, this is this is a great game to play. We should be doing this every week. Let's do it again next week. If you right, have you got have you got some more fun band names or well, stuff? Yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm not gonna give you them now. Okay, so, yeah, but, right, good. We'll do it right, okay. That's a tease for next week. That's <laughs> yeah. a professional podcast. But, what um, was the second one? We should because all be able because... to ask you a question. What was the second okay, one? Okay, right, okay, you can all ask me one question. Oh, there was all right. So the three band names were Testicular Fortitude, Whiplash, Whiplash. and Tribal Humor. Ask, ask me a question about any of them. Is your well, band's name Tribal Humor? Is the band's <laughs> name Tribal Humor? That's, was that a real band? Honestly, this is why you don't play <laughs> yeah, with Jack. This is why we don't play games. Crap at games nights. All right, all right. That is why you're not plugged into the social circle of Bexley Heath. Oh come on, because it, you're bad at games nights. I go to the Kentish Bell on my <laughs> own. Sorry, 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 listeners. It's become very real. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you can't criticise me for always trying to introduce too many rules to these things, <laughs> <laughs> because people will abuse the system like that. Exactly. <laughs> It's the wishing for more wishes thing with Jack every time. <laughs> <laughs> right, can you remember any of the song titles? Uh, y- yes. Uh, no lie titles here. I want to. It's want... no. It's there's not. There's not a lie title, but one. Uh, there was a song called uh, "One Little Voice." One little voice, and I think it was inspired by a song. From a parody band in the cartoon Doug. I, I've got my guess. I've got my guess. All right, Kieran, any questions? There's a lot of genital names going on. <laughs> Is that a question? Because, oh, well, if you're referring to genitals, the, well, the. Uh, I think I've got my answer. Testicular, testicular fortitude is. Um, it's a phrase that was made popular in the early noughties because we were big fans of. Um, uh, wrestling. Alright, my question is what style of music gotcha. was it? Mm. That that was it was some sharp rock. 
Sharp rock. It's sharp no, rock. sharp with a P. <laughs> very sharp, very bitey rock. No. Alright, I've got I've got a I've got it could a, be shark rock, I guess. Shark rock sounds better. But I've got a genuine question. Can you okay. can you hum your 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 hit from one of these bands? Uh not really, well, I don't, they didn't have much melody to speak of, to be honest okay. with you. As I say, it's quite sharp, sharp rock. I can't, can't emphasise that enough. So, okay, so sh- what's sharp rock of We're coming out of biscuit time. Yeah, the thing is, I know that you used to a lot like of stuff. Yeah, you used to be a bit of a Korean. I used to boy. love biscuit. I used to love I a bit of biscuit. I don't believe for one second that you don't have these bands recorded. <laughs> they might be on cassette somewhere. Really, not it's not digitized. It's yeah, not no, I, d- I wouldn't. Um, what, maybe one of the un- other guys has it. Tom uh, Tom Toll might have something. I don't know. Well, I think testicular fortitude's quite a uh, seems like a pretty masculine. I can imagine sharp rock band being called testicular Ooh. fortitude. So I think that's real. Sure. Okay. Whiplash. Again, that's the I one I'm is... dubious on. Is Whiplash? I just dubious on. Whiplash. I'm just less. I just think there's no way Joe would be in a band called Tribal Humor. Okay. I'm calling that out as the lie. <laughs> I hear it. Um, when I thought it was only one real name, I was thinking Whiplash. Right. So okay. I had the other two linked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but there's the two of, real names. Yeah, exactly. So the sort of person, the sort of person that would be in two of those bands would be in the other two, if you know what I'm saying. So yeah, I'm now definitely. eliminating Whiplash as the force. Okay. So you. So you think. Whiplash is the fake one. Yeah. Jack thinks tribal humour is the fake one. Kieran. Whiplash is the fake one. Okay, I can tell you now, you're all wrong. Ah. <laughs> I was in a band called Tribal Humour, and Kieran, the. Do you still have the snare drum that I used to have and the skin broke on it? We used yeah, to yeah. use it on stage. Still got that. If you find that, and maybe, I don't know if we can be able to, we'll be able to take a picture of it. If you look carefully on it, you will see the letters T and H drawn on it because that was when <laughs> I was a what drummer it stood in a for. band called Tribal Humour, oh and I played, we played one gig uh, in a place called Spiders Snooker Club. Uh, it was at a birthday party, and fun fact uh, for fans of EastEnders or I'm a Celebrity. The Spider Snooker Club is now the Jacqueline Josser Drama Academy, oh. uh, and it's above a co-op. Down there, not far from where Jack lives. Yeah, so Jack would have seen. My it, daughter's yeah. been in that building. She went to that academy for a little. She bit. saw the birthplace. She of was tribal there. Humor. <laughs> I don't believe it. The birth and death place of tribal. This <laughs> what's so good about like teenage bands that you initialized tribal humor to th because you knew everyone was going to be talking about it. You needed to make it snappier. You needed a logo. Lo- that was the logo, Steve, and it was done in. In tribal font. <laughs> well, what style of music was tribal humour, Joe? Is that the sharp rock it was, band? It was mostly Blink-182 and Green Day covers, to be fair. Tribal uh, humour playing punk rock. Yeah, it was good. And we opened for a band called Stillborn Butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, we shouldn't laugh about that, because we idolised them because they were six formers. Oh. <laughs> and they had a... I, I, honestly, I can't say this enough. The, the singer of that band, a guy called Colin, is very intelligent and really nice guy. 
Uh, but he had a song called Nobody's Darling. Nobody's Darling by Stillborn Butterfly was my favourite song. <laughs> Mate, I used to get jealous of right. My Dad is Big because they were the sixth form oh, band. I remember my, I used to yeah. know one of them. Yeah, I went to school. I remember they played a gig in our like an assembly or something. We were just yeah, and I was so jealous. They're only like a couple of years older than us. Oh. Right. We've got a we've got a feature on our hands here. I think we have and also listeners. If you one, if you were in a, if you were ever in a band, or if you are in a band now, tell us tell us some stories about gigs. Because I tell you what, I can tell you a story about the most I've ever hated Jack, and I will tell that story on next week's episode. <laughs> Hang so on, that's a tease no, for next week. I veto that one. I ve- <laughs> no, it's coming up next week. <laughs> Do I not have veto power? We can't. We're not going to judge you. We're all in awful. Well, look at what Joe. No. Joe's in no position to judge after that. No, of course. And also, the most I've ever hated Jack. Uh, you guys were all there because we were on stage at the time. So that's that's for next week. Um, but yeah, listeners, tell us your teenage band tales or your current band tales. I want to hear about bad gigs. I want to. I really want to hear some bad names. So info <laughs> at codesintheglass.net. Well, I, I think that I think they could two two truth one lie us. Oh, I'd love you to two truth one lie us. You you might have to put the answer in the email. Yeah, yeah. But one of us has to. Only test one of the rest us will of have read it. But, for sure. Uh, yeah. Pl- oh, yeah. This is all great stuff, listeners. Please info at codesintheglass.net. And also, if you've ever been in a band or are in a band currently, next week's guest is right up your street. Oh, we have got Rasmus Stolberg from Efterklang. Efterklang are a brilliant band. If you don't know them, go listen to them. That's your homework for this week. But this episode, it's Kieran and Steve have a long conversation with them. It was a lot longer before I edited it. Uh, <laughs> but just the the advice he has and the philosophy the philosophy he has around uh, being in a band and making music, I loved it. It's a must listen if you're if you're just interested in bands. I think this is really an episode for you. It's a really great conversation. Um, but I think that's enough sort of waffle from from us, isn't it? I think so. So, if you've listened this far, thank you very much. If you're a new listener, because of Izzy, uh, I hope you stick along with us. We've got some really interesting guests coming up on this series. Um, but for now, we say thank you once again, very, very much to Izzy City for giving her us her time. It was an abs- It was such a pleasure to talk to her. Shockingly gutted good, Steve. That uh, Steve couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> honestly, Steve is so gutted. Imagine the Re- infinitesimal chances that she's still listening now. I'm reveling in how gutted he is. Um, but Jane is trying is available everywhere now. Uh, she's on tour until the end of the year, including a long run at the Soho Theatre in August. You can go to IzzySooty.co.uk for dates and tickets. <clears throat> her books are online. You know, go to an independent bookshop, but if you want to go to the big website, fine. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Once again, you can get in touch with us on our email, which is jack... Info at codesintheclouds.net Kieran, what the fuck is our Twitter and Instagram handle? At codesclouds. We are the Paper Crane Podcast on YouTube, and we are lovely boys in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time... Remember. Oh, oh, oh wait, Joe. Yeah. I, let me let me help you here. Okay. I collated a spreadsheet of all of the ones that you've already said. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Okay, so I've, got, I've got I've got one locked in. And I don't think I've said it. Well, last week I said that you had said something which you didn't say. On. Oh. Okay. You well, had Fraser, de- Cra- Fra- Fraser Crane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got. <laughs> but even um, even papal. You said papal to us. I think. 
personally, but not right. Recorded. Okay, but I didn't. Say, okay, that's good stuff. Well, anyway, guys, let, let me and, let me give you a rundown of what you've said. People know. Let's go for people, it. So people, firstly, people understand what the hell you're doing at the end of these. Sorry, things. yes, I have. I always have a very quite a profound sign off, mm. and it leaves people sort of feeling quite warm inside. Yeah, because I felt bad. I didn't know everything you'd everything you'd said, and I wasn't hundred percent sure when I and I was blocking you on saying Fraser Crane. Okay. Right, okay. So I went through, I collated it up, put it in a spreadsheet. Good but classic Steve. Even though I was doing that, my takeaway from it is that you, Joe, are a weird guy. <laughs> <laughs> so out of the out of the clear blue sky, at the end of the first episode you said take that paper and fold it crane woods. Yes, please. That became like the catchphrase. That yeah, reappeared. Yeah. And in and also four. you got and also I I mean it. Go on. <laughs> but what does it mean? Uh, second episode. Uh, if you're craning, I ain't complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh that much at my own joke, but yeah. that's. I mean, I like that. <laughs> don't don't crane your neck. Crane your paper. He's that's good. He's having a breakdown. You did you did another one in episode three. PayPal crane. So not <laughs> yeah, that's also, that's PayPal. also great actually because it's a good app. Yeah, as I say, for paying for for paying people. Episode four, the old favourite came back, the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, when we were recording the album. Episode five, just cranes! Exclamation mark? Question mark? Cranes? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He's fine. He's on. Right. I mean it. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, Steve, I'm not. I honestly don't think you quite get these. But sorry, what were the others? The next one is from Origami. To origami, you. That's good. That's good, though. <laughs> I like that. But it's weird. There are good ones and bad ones. But yeah, that's true. Yeah. What is the scale? There's an ebb and flow to this. Scale. I, I do. I love it, Joe. But you're. Yep. But you should seek help. Listeners, Jack, Kieran, Steve, just remember: come crane or shine, there's always paper. <laughs> oh no, that's my favourite. This is an audible applause. <laughs> Here we go. Give a man a fish and he eats for a day. <laughs> Teach a man to paper and he cranes for a lifetime. Joe. <laughs>